Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here. It's back to school time, and one thing us parents don't want is kids coming home complaining of sore feet. The flat, wide, and flexible shoes in the Vivo Barefoot Kids range is the perfect fit for your child's feet to grow up healthy and strong the way they're designed to. And the great news, the Wellness Couch listeners can get 30% off the Vivo Barefoot range until the 1st of February 2016. All you have to do is go to www.souldistribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch. That's S-O-L-E distribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch and enter the code the wellness couch. Vivo Barefoot, the original barefoot shoe since 2003. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today, it's another episode with just me, which is really exciting because it's my very first recording from the new house, and I'm looking out over the beautiful fig trees and the rainforest, and it's absolutely gorgeous, feeling very, very lucky um, to be able to have such a big move and have such a big change in terms of the setting where we live. It's so nice. Um, and there's quite a bit of wildlife, some that are, that are not so cute and fuzzy and, and lovely. We do have a lovely family of birds that live in the tree out the front and it's so cute to watch them go to sleep at night and they all find the little section of the branch. It's so cute. Um, but yes, there's a few scaly critters that um, we've noticed, particularly a lizard that likes to sun himself. I can't see him there at the moment down in one of the corners. So let's get down to business. So it's a new year. I'm wondering if a few of you have had some New Year's resolutions that you might be sticking to really well, or you might even have some New Year's resolutions that have already faded. But the reason I'm really motivated to do this podcast today is I've been actually a little bit concerned about some of the emails that I've been getting and also some of the conversations I've been having with friends, um, friends who are just gorgeous and so motivated, but the way they talk about um, or, or how mean they are to themselves for not sticking to their New Year's resolutions so strongly. So I talk to them a little bit about what I think holds us back in terms of sticking to some of these goals. And I think I I get really torn because you hear about people manifesting and and talking about this concept of, you know, if you think about it um, and you visualize it and you expand your thinking to include these new things you want in your life, whether it's career success or a brand new BMW, I don't know what it might be, um, that if they only thought in in this very special way that great things would come into their life. And I think my initial struggle with that is, is the inverse of that because, of course, very difficult things happen to people. And, of course, they weren't visualizing those things or, or imagining those things might occur. So, when people talk about visualization, I, I absolutely think it's critical to imagine ourselves succeeding or we're optimistic about the success we might have. And in, and in fact, in, 
in the therapeutic process, it's essential that the person sitting opposite me believes that the two of us can work together to reach those agreed goals. So what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is not only just being a little bit nicer to ourselves, because if we're not reaching our goals, the barrier might not be that you yourself are a failure, that you embody lack of success, because that's what I'm starting to hear from people, that it must be something essentially flawed within them that keeps them from reaching the goals they have, whether it's weight loss or increased fitness or reducing their stress, drink more water, whatever it might be, because we're constantly hit over the head with all these pillars of health. And I talk about them to you all the time. So I know you know what they are around movement, good quality water and drinking enough of it through the day, exercise, stress management and relaxation, um, good quality food, connecting with your social group, um, working towards something, getting a sense of achievement and and being playful. Um, We all know these things. I know you know these things and I know you know what it is that you're struggling with. Maybe it's an area you succeed in and maybe some areas you, you feel like you're not succeeding. So what I wanted to talk to you about is it's not necessarily that you yourself are destined to not succeed globally or in one particular area. What I find with most people is that there is an underlying core belief that is keeping them stuck. So on a superficial level or a more easy to access level, we know the principles of CBT, that cognitive behavioral therapy. And what we know is how we think influences how we behave and that influences then how we feel or our emotions. So cognitive thinking behavior is what we do. And so what we know that on a superficial level, that operates every single day, that how we think influences what we then do and that influences what we feel. So do we get up and we prioritize exercise and then we do the exercise and then we feel good for exercising? And what feeds into that is, of course, values. So if you don't value your health, you might think about exercising, but you decide, ah, not today, it's too cold. And then you go back to sleep. And so what you did is you didn't exercise. And then you feel bad for not exercising, which then influences your mood for the day, feeling like perhaps you already aren't a success in that day. So hopefully you can see how that cycle goes round and round and round. But if you're wondering, how does this then mean that this gets repeated every day? If you are aware that you're not valuing your health, or if you're aware that you often avoid exercise. So what then's driving that? Well, what I wanted to talk to you a little about is schemas, and I may have mentioned them before, but I quite like the idea. Um, And this is obviously not my original thinking. It's things that I've uh, learned about through study, but also have focused on in professional development outside of study. And so with schemas, it's it's basically the way we organize information. So you might have a schema for curtains. You might have a schema for trees. It, basically, the way you store or organize information about anything, really. But it also 
it guides how we think about a lot of things. It might think how we think about relationships. It might guide how we think about ourselves. It might determine um, what we decide when we go to a restaurant. So sometimes, well, in my experience, most of us on some level have some of these maladaptive schemas. So a way of thinking that holds us back that's not very visible. So we might constantly be feeling like we're hitting a barrier, like we hit this ceiling constantly. And I think there's some very interesting reading from Gay Hendricks who talks about our upper limit and how we can keep working through a problem and then we hit a hit a bump and then we go back to where we started. Then we build up, build up, build up, then we hit a bump and then we go back to where we started. So if you're interested, maybe having a look at Gay Hendricks. I think it's called The Big Leap, maybe. Um, and that's talking about this upper limit idea. But anyway, so back to what I was talking about before. So with with things like Facebook, I think that we're constantly flooded with all these fabulous token comments from all these great thinkers and then they're shared numerous times across Facebook and we think, oh, ah, that, that's amazing and oh, that's so inspiring and I might print off these and you might have five of them hanging off your computer screen um, and, and you read those words and you feel inspired by the words and then it's gone 30 seconds later and you think that's so imp- I'm, that's such an important way of saying something. I'm sure that's going to help me exercise tomorrow um, and then you think about it and you go to bed and, of course, you press the snooze button and the cycle plays out again that, that you might avoid exercise. Um, and, look, I'm not talking about this from a holier-than-thou perspective. I have told you a thousand times I struggle with this too. I struggle with a couple of these maladaptive schemas and we might get into those a bit later. But I'm just trying to play out a scenario where you're sitting at your desk or somewhere standing at your desk if you have a standing desk and you're going through Facebook and you see these terribly inspirational quotes and you try to absorb that and you can't help but feel that you are stuck in this cycle of whatever is blocking you, say not exercising. But what the schemers tell us is that if there's this very core level of thinking or a, or a belief that you have about yourself at the core and it might be quite uncomfortable to even talk about it. You might even know about it a little bit. It might be something like shame on on a level that you might feel a, a level of shame about yourself or your body. Um, uh, so it's not shyness. Shyness might be how it manifests daily, but on a really core level, there's a feeling of of shame, or maybe even at social isolation, feeling that you're just not co- connected with the rest of the world, or or that you're different from other people somehow, and that it's very difficult for you to to feel connected to anybody or any group as much as you might even want to be connected. So, these kinds of core beliefs are what actually dry those thoughts, behaviors, and feelings at that upper level. So. Let's have a look at some of them. So this goes deeper than someone just wowing you with, did you know that your thoughts influence your behaviors and your behaviors influence your feelings? Well, let's go deeper than that and look at some of the core beliefs that keep people stuck. So that I was talking before about shame. So somehow feeling 
that you are somehow broken, unwanted, inferior, that you're just not important. So this is just a really core belief that sits right at the core of you. And often I liken it to being like a spring that feeds those thoughts and behaviors up the top. So you might not have the language to describe it that way. You might not talk about it in that way, but it's this deep core belief that feeds you constantly through the day and through your life experiences that holds you back because on some deeper level, you really believe that you are not significant or perhaps even unlovable. And you can have a look at these these schemas if you're interested by going to, if you have a look online at schema therapy or early maladaptive schemas, particularly the work of Jeffrey Young. So perhaps someone who's feeling quite shameful about themselves is they might often compare themselves to others or feel insecure around other people. So that then you can see if someone's somehow feeling defective in some way, for want of a better word, because I don't believe they are defective, but they do. So when I talk to someone, I need to explain to them, they aren't unlovable. They aren't defective. They're a wonderful person. But this type of thinking keeps coloring the way they look at their world. So if something difficult happens to them, or perhaps they get rejected, then they'll come back to this place, well, that's probably because essentially I am unlovable or essentially I am deeply flawed and inferior. That's why this didn't work. That's why they don't like me. But that's just not the case. It's a way of thinking that's holding them back. They aren't inferior. They aren't unlovable. And if they ask themselves the truth, is it true that no one loves me at all? Is it true they've had no success at all? Then they start, they start to be able to know that actually they can question that. But until they start to know that about themselves, that there's this core type of thinking, they will continue to believe that it's actually them within themselves, their personality, their very makeup that is actually flawed. But that's incorrect. It's that deep level of thinking, that deep belief about themselves and their world that shape the way they think and behave and therefore feel. So maybe we'll have a look at another one. And this is probably um, one that I'll admit is one that I do struggle with quite a bit. And I posted about this on Facebook recently where I um, had a link to some management around um, insufficient self-control. So I'll put it out there. I have a lot of trouble with self-control. And so what that means is if particularly for me, if I come home from work and it's been a long day or I'm feeling a little bit tired um, or I'm feeling a little bit frustrated um, at the moment, as much as I'm loving the change at the Sunshine Coast and really enjoying um, a new group of clients and wonderful GPs that are referring in and, and all the different things that are happening here. My husband, he's a lady of leisure at the moment. So he is swanning about with the kids having a fabulous time. So when I get home, I'm a little bit tired and I'm a little bit hungry and I'm probably a little bit angry. And so the acronym in the post I put on Facebook, HALT, was fabulous that I shared there from another website. And so I might go and have a look at what's in the fridge. 
Now, my husband is amazing at making raw cakes and there's always a bazillion dates and almonds and all sorts of things and cashews in our fridge. And so I might grab a handful of cashews and then I might grab a couple of dates and then I might grab a couple of more cashews and then he might say, oh, did you notice that I made these fabulous new invention I made with this ball and these essential oils and it's really yummy and chocolatey and I'm like, of course I'll try that. So I am not able to say, look, as as delicious as that is or as tired as I am, um, perhaps it's not I should wait till I have dinner. I just want to have that yumminess right now. Maybe some of you listening can identify with that. So for me, I really have difficulty saying I don't think this is a good idea right now. It's like, you know what? I've had a long day. I'm tired and I'm hungry. I will have that. And the frustration tolerance, difficulty tolerating a sense of anxiety or stress or frustration. So rather than taking a breath and going outside and looking at the beautiful trees that we're surrounded by um, or maybe throwing the frisbee to the kids, I'll often just say, oh, you know, I'll just have this lovely crackers and cheese and a glass of wine. And that will be lovely to calm me down. And I know that there's lots of lots of my friends do the same thing, that we're in this habit of requiring a glass of wine to cool ourselves down. So with this insufficient self-control, it's really knowing your at-risk times. So for me, I know it's that period between five and six. So dinner's not ready yet. Um, I'm feeling a bit tired, having a bit of trouble winding down from the workday, but I'm not actively winding down. I'm not actually, even though I know it's my at-risk time and I want to not eat that excessive amount of calories or or calorie-dense healthy foods, perhaps not the cheese and wine's not particularly healthy, Um, but most frequently it's actually just figs or dates or cashews that I'm consuming in the afternoon. And it just puts me over the edge of how much I should consume through the day. So it's, I know that, but on a core level, I am saying to myself, I deserve it. But what's deeper than that even is I don't have the self-control to say no right now. And that's not me being flawed. It's a core belief that I don't have the discipline, so why try? I'm never disciplined. So if I'm never disciplined, why fight it in this instant? Does that make sense? So I'm not deeply flawed. Well, I like to think I'm not deeply flawed. It's this style of thinking that tells me that I don't have discipline anyway, so why fight it? Just go with the flow, have those yummy dates and move along with your evening. So I'm really working really hard on, at the moment on this thinking. That's in fact one of the reasons why I'm recording this podcast now because it, it, it's hopefully sharing great information with you, but it's also me thinking it through in a different way in terms of teaching it or sharing it is different to me sitting back and reading it as a consumer, so to speak. And I, in fact, work with these schemas with clients all the time, particularly if they say that key statement, I just don't understand why I keep blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, okay, well, if let's have a look at what me, might be a deeper core thinking that's influencing these decisions to do blah, blah, blah. So, um, so that's 
self-control or self-discipline. Um, and I think what's really important about it as well is there's this huge emphasis on avoiding discomfort. And so for me, that really fits into my exercise avoidance is there's this perception that exercising will in fact be extremely painful. So why would I put my hand up to go and do that? I am getting a little better. The house we're in at the moment is on a hill. So not the street, the house, it's the block it's on, it's two acres. So um, I can get a hill walk in by just walking up and down my front yard. Um, so it's it's a lot easier um, to do that. And I'm working on it. <laughs> so, so that's another part of that self-discipline is it's not only saying no to the yumminess, it's also strongly avoiding discomfort or avoiding pain or confrontation in any way. Um, so, and, and often it's at the expense of our own personal fulfillment or commitments to ourselves or others. So it, it's, Again, it's not about the individual being deeply flawed. This is not why you're not reaching your goals. There's not something wrong with you as a person. And if you question and and maybe look at your history, look at where you've been successful before, you know, understanding that there's been times where you've been successful, that it is possible for you to have habits and behave in ways that get you closer to your goals or get you to your goals even. So looking at previous success or working really hard to model success, um, which perhaps, you know, is something I might try and do or another way of thinking about what I'm trying to do in terms of avoiding the, the, those dates, those medjool dates, they're so good. Um, but yeah, understanding that also what's happening for me and, and you know what, again, to be really honest, even though it's totally obvious, just when I was saying before on the podcast, sometimes when I get home from work, I haven't quite calmed down yet because I've been on. I may have had eight hours straight of talking with people um, who either in crises or maybe they're even at the end of their therapeutic sessions and, and you know, hoping that I've given them enough strategies and they've, you know, taken it all in, you know, the it's quite an intense process and probably I, I don't recognize how much I need to differentiate from that that intensity over those hours with those individuals and then getting home because as far out in the rainforest as I feel I am at the moment, it's actually not very far to my, my offices, my consultation room. So I, I don't have this long period of time to disconnect and actually I did in in when I was doing more rural and remote work. And someone actually asked me the other day, um, I bet you're not missing the travel. And my first reaction was, actually, I, I'm i not sure that's that's right. I think I might even miss the travel, which I can't believe because I was doing hours and hours and hours of travel. Um, but I think it really served the purpose because in that time, there was a bigger distance of time, but also I was listening to podcasts. There was time to to listen to all the fabulous podcasts that are out there or books on tape. I can't believe I just said books on tape, but listen to Audible or MP3 um, books that I've been trying to catch up on. So, yeah, so, so again, sometimes you learn through teaching and so I'm very grateful that you're out there listening because I really just learned a valuable lesson that the last couple of months I perhaps haven't been giving myself enough time to 
disconnect from work, calm down. And so I'm trying to trigger my rest and digest with food. And that also feeds into my lack of discipline, that that way of thinking that tells me I'm not disciplined, therefore don't worry about it. Um, So interesting. Okay, well, so let's move on to maybe one last type of core belief that, um, that I think tends to affect people. And I have spoken about this one before. So, um, but just in case you didn't take it in the first time, this is something I come across in so many of my clients, particularly women. Um, and, and they might have it as a very powerful degree, as in they have it as a very single high score on the questionnaire that I give them that that tells me what of these styles of thinking they fit into the most. Or sometimes it's one of their three and it might be a bit more dilute. Um, but it's that underlying belief um, that you must continue to work extremely hard because you have these internal standards of behavior or performance that you have to constantly be pushing yourself. Um, because if you don't push, 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 um, it's likely that you'll get criticized. So again, this is not a flaw with a person. This is a type of thinking that leaves the person feeling intense pressure or they have a certain significant difficulty slowing down and they might end up being really critical of themselves as well and maybe even critical of others but this is this is the type of person who can be extremely driven and it's not necessarily your high achiever on the outside this could be someone who can be quite calm and relaxed or seemingly, um, or shy even. But internally, there's this constant pressure on themselves to be really excellent in every single thing they do. And if they're not completely excellent, they feel that someone's going to notice. And if they notice, they're going to criticize them and, and they couldn't possibly cope with that level of criticism. So, so you might be hearing that it can be an element of perfectionism in there. So lots of attention to detail um, that can sometimes be disabling. If it can't be done just so, then I'll have to revise it or I won't submit it or I'll hold back sharing it with others because it might not be good enough just yet. And so they get end up getting behind or delayed um, or in fact their performance does get affected because they're so focused on being perfect. But often I think the – not the saddest part, I don't mean that in a so sad, but in the most painful part for women in terms of these unrelenting standards is they actually really underestimate how good they really are. I think women compare themselves so often, which is such a dangerous thing to do, um, or they really have this constant dialogue in their head that they're, they're judging other women because they're probably judging them. So I'll judge them in my head first. You know, we get caught in, in this really yucky place of underestimating our own strengths. And because you underestimate them, you, they become less visible to you. And so you become this version of yourself that misses the point completely on what's absolutely wonderful about you and what you should actually be capitalizing on. You know, you might know that you really do have an affinity for listening to people or you know that when you're around people, you really do try hard to make other people feel comfortable. Or maybe you're extremely shy and you find it so hard to focus on anybody else's experience because you're working so hard just to hold it together in that. But that doesn't mean that you are not enough or that you're somehow deficient or lacking. We really need to start to understand 
that when we operate in our day, you know, there's so many strengths that we're exercising. You know, you got up out of bed, you got people organized or you got yourself organized. You know, we all contribute to the way this this world turns. You know, we all contribute, you know, and really sometimes I think we get overwhelmed with trying to meditate, do yoga, write in our gratitude journal, drink enough water, have a cup of green tea, maybe spend time with the kids that you hope that you're building their self-esteem and time with your partner or girlfriends or boyfriends or social circle and contributing to the school community and trying to perform at work and making sure there's a healthy dinner on the table. You know, my goodness, isn't it exhausting just thinking about all of that? And in that time, we don't stop to say, you know what? I'm there. I'm there with these people. I participated. I got out there. I I attended the thing that they organized. And sometimes we have to understand that that's enough. We don't have to be the rock star of our lives 24-7. You know, we don't have to be this person that gives out energy constantly. You know, we have to find the things that feed us and the people that nurture us and make sure that we're just building our self-knowledge so that we can build ourselves up. You know, I need to understand and work hard from today. Now that I know it, I need to understand how can I use that 10 or 15 minutes to get home in the car to wind down in a much more focused way rather than just driving home, listening to the radio and hoping to be relaxed when I get home. So I'm really grateful to have you out there. (laughs) This process has been really good for me to understand that, yeah, I, I know my trigger times and I know that part of the reason I'm driven to do that is because I haven't calmed down. I haven't disconnected from that work environment to go from carry the clinical psychologist to carry the mum. So I'm really going to make a promise to myself that today I'm really going to look at that period of time in the car and make sure that I wind down. So I want you to do the same. What is it that you can do that helps you handle that period of time that you're at risk time when those core beliefs pop up? When is it that you might feel that you're feeling shameful? When does that shame appear? When's that at risk time when you notice those those thoughts um, pop up? Or when do you notice that those standards you have of yourself actually rob you of just being yourself and having a good time with friends and family? It's really important that you build that self-knowledge and that gives you the power then to deconstruct some of those core beliefs, to challenge them. Is it real? Is it really true of me? What evidence do I have that contradicts that I might be this person? Maybe it is just a way of thinking that has been so core to my thinking that it's been hard for me to break free of it. Well, now's the time. Know that core belief that is keeping you stuck and know that you can challenge it and weaken how much that core belief drives some of those ways of thinking at the superficial, at the surface level that keeps you held back from being the most amazing version of yourself. Well, I love having you today and thank you so much for sharing my very first podcast from my new home and it's just a glorious setting. It's morning at the moment and watching the birds run around and get their breakfast. It's just so lovely. So 
please spread the word about the show and share that with your friends and tell them to listen to and subscribe to tap in iTunes or from the wellness couch. And please don't forget to give the show a five-star rating if you liked it. And whether you're an organization or an individual, if you've enjoyed the podcast and learning about strategies to improve your mood and psychological health, please go to carriethompsontc.com to look at other products and events. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2016? Well, we've had three sold-out wellness summits these last few years, but honestly, nothing comes close to the wellness breakthrough, and we have just three spots remaining. Your favorite wellness couch experts, the wellness guys, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, and of course, Carl Brock are gathering in the Dandenong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough from February 5th to the 7th. But again, there's only three spots available. Entry to the breakthrough is by application only, and to apply, simply email your contact details to marcus at thewellnesscouch.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.